tonight. Lacazette and Aubameyang's bromance flourishes into something that makes them more than just friends as they bang in the goals against Cardiff, while Petr Cech has back past PTSD caused by Socrates trying to get his mate Burnt Leno into the team. All this and more tonight on another Ask Brothers Rankcast. Hi guys, just a quick note to apologise for the poor sound quality on this podcast. Small technical issue that I have since resolved. Apparently there is volume on the back of your microphone as well as on the computer. So our technicality levels here at Ask Brothers Rankcast know no ends. Enjoy the pod, guys. Thank you very much. Welcome to this, the fourth Ask Brothers Rankcast. That is exactly three episodes more than we ever thought we were going to produce. And would you believe it, after us starting this pod and thinking no one would ever listen to us, we have followers. So to our seven followers, we say hello, thank you for joining us, and we hope that this is a less drunk less ridiculous podcast than the last one. Unless you enjoyed that, because if you enjoyed it, we are quite happy to get shit-faced and bring you three hours of ramblings cut down to 90 minutes again. Tobes, mate, as always, you're joining me. How are you? How was your week? I'm good, mate. Um, No, really good this week. Things are are better than last week. and um... That's different for us. We're not depressingly drinking... And talking shit into a microphone. Oh, I, I think that might mean less alcohol consumption tonight, which is probably good for us and uh, and the listeners potentially. But if anyone really did enjoy our drunken ramblings, let us know. Yeah, let us know. We're on Twitter now. We are. We have Twitter handles. We learnt what Twitter was. We went on to Twitter. The wonderful guys from a Burkamp Wonderland gave us a share. Uh, the lovely guys from the Bruise Banana. Uh, gave us a share, a couple of really good independent podcasts there. So um, we've achieved, mate. We've achieved. Let me tell you what I achieved this week, Toby. And once again, it's not a good thing. What? What's that? Saturday night. I'm going to paint the picture for you. Okay. Right? Saturday night. Shoot. Hard night at work. Busy night at the bar. We're picking up now. We've got a new kitchen going in. I think I worked something like 16 days in a row. You know, and I'm knocking up 15-hour shifts. Not that I'm complaining, but I'm complaining. So I came home, hungry, tired, sore feet like I always am, and on my kitchen counter, right, and I want you to remember these points, Toby, what I'm telling you. So on the Nothing kitchen will counter, surprise me with what you say next, by the way. On, on a kitchen counter, in a dessert bowl, with a dessert spoon in it, is, is a bowl of what smells like Greek yogurt and has like a, a, a swirl through it, right? A swirl, okay. A swirl. Yeah. Okay. So I come home, Victoria's sitting on the couch having a glass of wine. Hello, darling, how are you? I'm good. How was your day? It was great. I go stick my nose in this bowl and I think, mmm, some kind of like yogurt, maybe like like a chia, like a chia, you know, the thing like the drizzle you get through your muesli? It sounds, Is it called a chia? sounds fucking horrible to me, but yeah, keep going. Anyway, to me, it smelled great. Okay. And let's just recap. It's in the kitchen, it's in a dessert bowl, and it has a spoon, and it smells like dessert. Okay. Continue. So I had a mouthful of it, and I said to Victoria, this tastes like shit. And she said, what does? And I said, this dessert. She said, that's my face mask. (laughs) (laughs) It was, in fact, Greek yogurt mixed with clay. And let me tell you, it was gritty as fuck. That is by far not the worst thing you've eaten, though. No, because don't forget, I also once cleaned my teeth with hair product. And what about the raw bacon? When did I eat raw bacon? In London. Oh, because I thought it was smoked. <laughs> I assumed smoked bacon meant like 
Well, we don't really get like smoky bacon in Australia, you know. The bacon in England and the bacon in Australia are really different. The bacon in Australia is kind of raw, and the bacon in England is kind of like smoke streaky bacon. <sighs> anyway. Um, so, Toby, I guess that brings us to the football, now that we've gone through eating face masks. And we picked up three points at Cardiff City in a game that was um, interesting for me. And, and I'll, I'll explain why just quickly. I thought the game was interesting, Toby, because it was the first time I'd kind of seen what I think we will be able to do once all the parts click. What did you think? It's a work in, in, in progress. I... I... I think it was actually a very typical performance in that there were patches of of us seeing a really nice progression and an adaptation, an adaptation to the new to the new manager's tactics. But fuck, there was some there was some just typically shit Arsenalness. To it, and you well, know, when, at, at, you, when you consider that Cardiff hadn't scored a goal no. yet in the Premier League, and we arsenaled the shit out of it and said, "Here you go, lads, have two. Yeah, at 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 really really big moments in the match as well. I mean, the yeah yeah, it was um, there was some good parts, and I was really happy with it. Don't get me wrong, you know, there was some real um, enjoyable moments, especially seeing. Um, certain you know factions of our team really connect and and really start to enjoy playing together, but yeah, fuck me, there was some there was some really bad moments and and really fearful against a team that we thought we would um, was a banker you know from what we said last week and we thought that um, with our power especially in an attacking sense um, we wouldn't let them get anywhere near as close as they did and it took us till what 80 85th minute to um I think we I think on. we got I think we strangled the game once in the first half and we strangled the game once in the second half and that's what I meant about how it was the first time I've really seen I've been able to to reach out and touch what Emery's trying to do I could see where the defensive structures were meant to work I could see how the attacking patterns were meant to work now they didn't work for the entire 90 minutes, and they still broke down a couple of times. But I was quite quite heartened by the performance and by what I saw, and it made me sort of realise that this is a work in progress, and I think that this could take until, you know, October to click. If we're still talking about chucking the ball in the back of the net come October, I think it'll be a different conversation. But for now, I can I can kind of see what's going on. Okay, so I guess that segues us pretty well, Toby, into the team selections. Um, what did you make of the ins and outs? Let's start from the back. Petacek selected again to the, the dismay of the Twitter world from, from what I saw. What did you make of that? Oh, fuck Twitter. I mean, you know, it was apart from the outcome of the game, you know, we'll discuss that later. I was more than happy to see him. I, I think he's been one of our our best players so far, and I definitely think we need his his um, now experience and leadership. So I I had no problem with it from a from a selection point of view. Anything else from the ins and outs, Toby? That you were yeah, massive. That I, you thought I was, that you thought deeply on. Well, well give him to I, me. I mate. was hugely me. surprised. It was a real what the fuck moment for me when I saw Sideshow Bob run out. 
Um, that was, I really thought that it was time to give him a spell on the sidelines. And, um, you know, I thought Torreira and Xhaka and the, and the second half performance and the way they clicked last week, I definitely thought that warranted a starting berth for, um, for both of them. So I was really, really surprised with that. I mean, I wrote down uh, Gwenduzi and Xhaka exactly what we said at the end of the drunkest pod in the world last week, exactly what we said, what we didn't want to see when we were talking about combinations. Yeah, it just, I never thought it for a second. So when, you know, when the, when the cameras panned to the tunnel, I was just like, what the fuck? I, I couldn't even comprehend. So, you know, I thought... What the fucking fuck, Emery? Yeah, I thought Torreira was definitely ready. You know, you know the impact he made last week. Um, he made Jacka look better out of that sort of more advanced position. Um, well, he had a smashing game, and, and we've got some points on that later on. Um, I guess the other thing that really uh, stuck out for me, um, team selection-wise, was Mkhitaryan rested. Mm. Big surprise for me, not, too. Not, st- not stuck out for me that it's not something I would have done, because you and I, as much as Mkhitaryan has looked quite good, you and I have both negative-pointed him a couple of times each. Yeah. Um, and I think he's been considered to be very good because he's been very active in games. I don't know whether the fact that he's just been super active is in he's, he's made a lot of touches and he's done a lot of stuff mm. has meant that all of that stuff has been good. It's been almost, for me, quantity over quality with Mikatarian. So I thought it was interesting from uh, Emery to rest him but I quite liked the reason why he rested him. And I wrote down here, we've got a big squad, why not? Mm, I do get that. My, my one thought was, though, he's been pretty crap in the first couple of games, and I, I scored him accordingly. Um, but last week there was the, the genesis of a bit of a partnership going on with Bellerin in particular. The, the way yeah but the opposite of that was there was also a genesis of a partnership going on with the two of them not working as a defensive unit. <laughs> Correct, and we and we spoke about this, you know. Correct, you you can't have one half. It's like Mourinho was saying about people in his team. Like you have to defend. Everyone has to defend. It's like Emery was saying about Özil when he was questioned in the media release. You know, everybody has to work, mm. right? And I got the distinct feeling that Mikatarian and Bellerin, as good as they were going forward, were a bit of a liability on their way back. So I I, I found that interesting. I really liked that from Emery, and I particularly like the fact that he started Ozil. A lot of people were talking that they thought that Ozil would be off the bench, uh, you know, might come on in the 60th minute, we might start with Ramsey, and we might go to Ozil. And I had actually said in last week's pod, I wanted all of our assets on the pitch. Yeah, well, that's, and that's I what we both said. Aubameyang, Lacazette, Ozil, and Ramsey. Um, but I like that, because it really quashed... Any additional clickbait bullshit coming out about whether or not there was a rift? No, no, for sure. I think it was. I think it was strong management. I think it was good man management, and it did. It, it shut up a lot of the naysayers. I mean, whether whether that's completely right or not, who knows? But it just it nips it in the bud, doesn't it? So, you know, so so that's that's done. Um, for you, you thought that. Rambo was out of the 10 in terms of the starting positions, at least. And the Urzel was the on, starting position, Urzel the, starting was on the right. The starting position was definitely Ramsey starting off the 10 and Urzel starting off yeah, the right. Cool. 
and we we will sort of will sort of delve into that a lot because there there was a lot of miscommunication in the first half. I thought the team bedded in later in the game. It probably wasn't until the 60th minute of what I was talking about, and I was like, oh, I see. That's the way it's going to work. It took a little bit of time for those guys. When you think about it, a lot of these guys haven't been on the pitch. Yeah, these guys haven't been on the pitch together. Preseason's one thing. You know, training is one thing. But to get out, to get on the pitch, and to play together, that's why I said I felt quite heartened by what I saw on the pitch this week. Probably the most I've seen on the pitch. Mm. Uh, Lacquer and Oba playing together. We've been calling it for weeks. Good to see it. It worked. Yeah, and, um, and against I this calibre of opposition as well. There's no reason... Yeah, yeah you're not, I don't think you're going to be able to do yeah. that against a top-flight yeah, team. There's no reason not to do it. Top-flight as in a Premier League team. Yeah. You just mean like a... a, a you, you mean a top... I mean a, a, a higher echelon, like a top six. Yeah, I mean a top-flight team within the top-flight. Moving on. Moving on. Finally, a Wobi sick. Oh, is is that what is that what happened? That's what the commentator said. Oh, I didn't hear that. Well, he must have had a riff with Emery then. No, <laughs> I didn't hear that either. Urzel had a riff because he was sick. Therefore, Awobi and him must have had a bust oh, up. I see. He said yeah. to Awobi, "You need to cut your hair." And Awobi said, "No way. Have you seen my hair, Unai? It's my fucking. It's my draw card. It's my thing this year." And then they had a bust up, and Awobi walked off the pitch. Mm-hmm. Uh, onto the formation, mate. And I, I guess it's going to get to a point now where sort of talking about the formation every week is going to be more difficult once Emery settles in to an actual formation that he's going to stick with. But, I mean, what I saw, and I, I just want to know if you saw the same thing, was for me the big change here is it really looked like the two number eights, the two guys in defensive midfield, Ganduzi and Lieutenant Dan, were splitting... And one was playing left and one was playing right. Yeah, I, I wouldn't call that an eight, though. I'd say an eight is slightly more advanced than a six. Semantics. The two guys who were playing in the middle of the park, I didn't think that one of them in particular was playing in the six. I thought that they were playing within the formation of it being a four and a two in front. And that the two of them were even workload. I don't know. I, I still felt that Gwendozi was receiving the ball a bit deeper. Um, no, but that's that's not so much his defensive position. No, no, that's no, I, and, and, that's, and that's that's because for me he's a little bit faster on the ball. He's faster on the turn. He has legs, which Lieutenant Dan doesn't, mm. and he's not going to lose the ball in deep areas. So definitely the centre backs were splitting, and Genduzi was picking up the ball from them mm. and being the first out ball. Yeah, but for me the biggest difference was that one of them was very much when in possession playing down the left. Yeah, and one, one of them was one very the right. much playing down the right which I thought gave us much more structure this week. Yeah. As opposed to prior, last week, Jacker kind of sat deep and, mm. and Genduzi was roving up the pitch. Yeah, and, the and there was all that is, space. I actually don't think that Genduzi plays so well when he's shackled into a specific job role. I think he's a bit more of a free player than what we think he is. Because he snaps into tackles yeah. and because he kind of runs around like a, a deep-lying midfielder, I just think that he might be a little bit better when he's got that free reign, almost like Xhaka was given last week when Torreira came on, and it freed Xhaka up to sort of maraud forward and make his passes. Genduzi would probably profit from that a lot more. Mm. Yeah, look, potentially. I'm not, I'm not sold 
either way. I, I think he's I think he's better deep than Xhaka is at the moment, but then Xhaka is better with his forward passing from deep. So there's there's pros and cons to both of them for me. Um, I I just feel like Torreira is the one that that opens it up for everyone else. But that'll that'll come later. That'll come later. Yeah, definitely. Um, so into the game, quick run through. So finish three two to Arsenal. Um, we we definitely sort of uh, played Cardiff into the game a couple of times. First goal for Mustafi, uh, Lieutenant Dan with the assist. Good goal for you, Topes. Yeah, cracking, cracking. The the header for me um, was was unbelievable. The run, um, the power that he generated from his neck and the contact of the ball. You know, massive, massive plaudits for for Mustafi for that. You know, that's really aggressive attacking of the ball and um, pay a bit of tribute to Xhaka's delivery as well, you know. Well, he did. He did play, pay tribute, Toby, with the Albanian double eagle symbol again. Oh, did he? I didn't, I didn't even know. Yeah, I him and Xhaka did the double eagle. They're both Albanian descent. Who and, so who and Xhaka? Mustafi and Xhaka. Oh, I thought Mustafi was a Turk. No, they're both really? Albanian descent. Mm, okay. Yeah. Drop the, the double eagle that Xhaka got in trouble for. Mm. Um, so I think we're still waiting to see if the FA is actually going to um, put any um, any sanctions on, on the two of them mm. for that. Yeah, yeah. well, they're not supposed in, in, to do interesting. political stuff. In, um, yeah. We, I mean, there's this... a reason why you're not allowed to write shit on your shirt anymore. Yeah, <laughs> Ian Wright. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, then we can see the goal right on halftime. So 1-0 up from course the Staffy header. We, we go and Arsenal the shit out of it all over again. Um, ball from the wing again. Congested bodies in the box. Monreal not so much loses his man, but gets under the ball, gets caught under the ball. The ball pops out. Uh, the lad gets a turn on it and smashes it past Czech. Not a lot Czech could do. Yeah, he, he one, took one it. He took it well, half. but we fucked up hard. And there was a there was an attacking out ball from Xhaka as well, which um, maybe that calls into question our game management again just before halftime. Absolutely, and again we'll um we'll, we'll get pretty deep into into Xhaka, into Lieutenant Dan later on because he, if you read his game stats, his game stats were pretty good. But I've got a theory on him. I've got a theory on him that we'll we'll get to. Um, goal, Aubameyang. Ozil comes into the game, 60 minutes, starts to pull the string, starts to run the show. Comes deep, picks up the ball, knocks the ball into Lacazette, around the corner, Aubameyang, cuts it. Bottom corner. Yeah, it was, it was an amazing finish. And I thought that the penetrative pass from Ozil, who had done sweet fuck all before then, was Ozil penetrates. Actually, he hadn't done sweet fuck all. He had started to play about 10 minutes before that goal. My notes said about 55 minutes he started injecting his penetration into the game. Ozil penetrating. What sort of lover do you think Ozil would be? A shit one. Would he be a weird lover? Yeah. Do you think he'd be into weird fucking shit? No, I get the shit feeling one. he'd be into some weird shit, man. But silent weird shit. Yeah, no, I reckon like uh, he'd be like the sort of guy you go around, you bang his wife, and he's wearing a Superman costume and jerking off in the cupboard. That sort of weird shit. But definitely a strange lover. Into foot shit as well, I reckon. You reckon he'd be into you weird foot, foot stuff? reckon into foot shit. 
I reckon into foot shit big time. And the Germans, as we know from our friend in Germany, Toby Wehr in Germany, are into butthole stuff. So, Meza, if you're listening, tweet us, mate. Let us know what you're into. <laughs> I'd, uh, I'd like to know. So, moving away from Mezzet's weird sex fetishes, <laughs> um, we then go and concede a set piece. Um, how very Arsenal. The, how very Arsenal was. But the foul was very soft. I, I don't want a ref's fault. Hashtag ref's fault. I don't want a ref's fault, but, um, but ref's there wasn't a lot of contact. Yeah, yeah, ref's fault. There wasn't a lot of contact there. As far as the actual set piece went... Can I just add, though, and I'm sorry to cut you off here, I made a point... Oh. You go for it, Toby, because I am the king of the talk over and cut off. In fact, I, I want you to talk over me. You just did, you fucking motherfucker. Anyway. That's what I do. What I do. <laughs> you, no, no, you talked over me whilst saying While you were the saying. king of talking. So anyway, I appreciate the, the gesture. Um, I, I, actually had, I want to hear your thoughts. I actually had a note saying that we were getting too much. And, and this, is, this is from an Arsenal fan's point of view. I actually felt that we were getting too much of the rub of the green from the refs because we had big name players. See, I didn't see it that way, Toby. I thought that early on in the game, especially in the first 15 minutes of the game, they were really getting in. Yeah, but they, they, they really pressed getting, hard, really but a lot of it was in. a lot of it was fair and I, I just felt oh, that the team ended up on fucking yellow cards. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm saying I'm saying in the first half in particular, you know, our our big game players were were um, influencing the ref. That That's my opinion. So I thought they were very aggressive and the crowd was playing a really big part and really getting behind them. And I quite enjoyed seeing that because it was like an old school Premier Premier League game for me. That, oh, the Cardiff crowd, crowd was smashed. Don't, I actually, had a, point, don't you I actually find, yeah. had a point down saying, are the Arsenal home fans compared to some of the smaller club home fans quite shit? As in how vocal they are, because the Cardiff fans, it, it was palpable from yeah. even the television. Yeah, well, coverage, it's the prawn, it's the prawn sandwich brigade. You know, when when yeah. you're paying, oh, I forget now, twelve pounds plus for a fucking fish and chips or whatever, and you know, three or four quid for for a bottle of water. Like your your average Joe, your working class supporter, has been priced out of the Premier League now, and in particular, your your Arsenal fans. So. You know, that, that wonderful old square pitch, close in, fuck, there was some atmosphere. So I, I really thought that was driving them forward and, and they had a really fucking... They, they got at us. There's no doubt There's no doubt that they got yeah. at us. And their um, shaved, their shaved goblin on the side, you know, like he was getting up it <laughs> and he was into it. And, you know, I like that. Does look like, he does look like a fucking shaved cave goblin, doesn't he? From Lord of the Rings. With a set of pearly white teeth, though, instead of fangs. He does. I wonder if he's afraid of the Balrog. He may be. He may be. Neil Warnock, drums, drums, drums in the deep. But it's actually the Cardiff fans. <laughs> we concede the second goal to a set piece, Toby. We it's do. pretty soft. Um, Rambo gets done at the back post. Uh, not, I, I didn't really, I didn't really put it down as his fault that yeah, I couldn't get a I couldn't, run on it. He was a stagnant star. Yeah, I the guy yeah. who knocked the ball back across the face got above him, knocked it across the face, and I said there is nothing that Czech can do about that. It was a, actually a smashing header. The commentators didn't make a big deal about it, but he he had to get his neck right into it. Yep. it wasn't coming onto him. It was coming from kind of almost behind him, and he got that big neck snap. Yep. 
And I mean, anytime you're getting off the inside of the post, the keeper's got to do a lot to keep that out. Oh, it was a cracking finish, and and I'm really glad that you um, that you gave that number nine. I don't know who it is, but the the kudos that it deserved. Uh, Ward. Yeah. Ward. Yeah, and and. In any case, I'm glad that you gave him the credit because it was a cracking finish. It was a cracking, cracking finish. Teams are going to get at you from lower parts of the league. It's going to be set pieces. They're going to get at you from set pieces. Definitely going to get at you from set pieces. You know, I was thinking about the England team at the World Cup. Without set pieces, that England team doesn't get out of its group. Without set pieces, that England team scores like one one goal in the group stage. Well, play to your strengths. Do they have the budget that we do? Do they have the technicality? No way. So No, but I think I think that as the modern centre back becomes closer to a Callum Chambers and further away from, you know, a, a Tony Adams, you know, that what used to happen was your biggest lad coming through the youth system, your biggest lad, your strongest lad, who'd go put his head where no one else wanted to put their heads, mm. he would go and play centre back. Now we're asking so much from the foot skill of our centre-backs mm. that they're getting smaller and smaller. And I wonder if that's why, you know, these these Troy Deenies and these Charlie Austins and, you know, these very old-fashioned centre-forwards are starting to get a little bit of joy, especially against the big teams when they come up against good, them. Because good they're, point. they're getting that joy against, yeah, no. against kind of smaller... Yeah more technical centre-backs. And they're going out there and saying, fuck you. Yeah. Like, Troy Deeney, old fucking barge-ass, mate, he'll just fuck shit up all day. Well, he will. And, and that's that's a that's a great segue into the future for how Lacazette played as well. You know, there's aggression, a big butt, backing in, well, throwing some weight around. funnily enough, Toby, next goal, Lacazette. Yeah. Torreira on the ball, finds exactly the same pass that he found for Lacazette in the last game where Lacazette got the ball saved. Exactly the same pass, penetrative pass, through the right channel. And Lacazette fucking cunts it. He certainly does. He certainly does. That was a joyous, joyous moment. And uh, I couldn't have been happier for him. I could not have been happier for him. The team looked joyous for him. Didn't didn't you feel that the... I did, I did. I liked... Do you know what I liked? I, I felt that the team really wanted Lacquer to get a goal. Fuck yeah. Because they actually let him celebrate by himself. He walked towards the crowd. And Lacquer seems to me like a bit more of a, a quiet, more humble character. Definitely. And Lacquer sort of walked over the crowd, put his arms up like, that's what you fucking get from me on a on a 9 out of 10 performance. And gave the booty and then he dance. Turned, yeah, and then he turned around and all the Arsenal fans hugged him. Yeah. And I, I've noticed that in general about Arsenal this year. I think that there is one of the best togethernesses that we've seen for a long time. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. This is a group of players who share women. <laughs> this is a group of players who have seem to have really come together for, for the greater desire to stop being the butt of so many Arsenal-based jokes. I, I think it's a group of players who, who really want to be back to what Arsenal used to be, want to be a dominant team. And they're a long way away from it, but I just really liked it. I thought that there was some um, some great things to take out of that, the way that they all got together and the way they've got, you know, little dances and, you know, they're slapping each other on the back of the head and, mm. and things like that. And the handshake. You know. I like the handshake. Did you like the handshake? Did you? Well, that was after the, well, that was the, after the over goal, wasn't it? From a handshake to an Albanian eagle. Okay, so, I mean, that's the game rounded up. 3-2 to the Arsenal. Uh, a lot to like, a lot not to like. Uh, Toby, Petacek. We should really 
we should really start there, I guess, if, we, if we're going to start breaking down some individual points from the game. Very shaky early on in the first half. Very shaky in the second half. I really feel for him because he is trying to reinvent himself. Do we persist with Petter at this point? What do you think about the goalkeeping situation at Arsenal? And do you think it is enough to have a guy who's really good with his hands if we're going to play this style of football? I'm at a real loss on this one because I thought his confidence was destroyed this game. You know, I thought in the past month or so he's been one of our best players, his professionalism, his leadership, um, the way that he speaks to the media. You know, he's the type of character that we need at our club. And we have systematically fucked him and his confidence right in the year. You know, we we have absolutely destroyed him. And, And as a bloke, as a person, I felt bloody terrible for him, you know, with... um. I realise he'd shown signs of improvement the last couple of weeks and um, some pretty big bollocks to be able to uh, cope with all that newfound pressure, you know, and a new way of playing as a 36-year-old. But um, this was bad from the start. Their their press was heavy. I mean, Harry Arter, yeah, he fucked up that, that open goal, but boy, did he press hard. And then I also thought that Socrates kept passing to, to Czech's right foot. And, Thank and you. as we know... Thank you so much for bringing that up because I've got that written down. Next point that I thought Socrates sold him short a couple of times and kept passing to his right foot. Which is inexcusable. As a singularly left-footed player, it's, you know, as a teammate, you've got to preempt that shit. You've got to know your players around you. And it's not like goalkeepers change, you know. It's not like they have fluid positions. He's always, he's always checked. You know, um, I want to see Xhaka in that situation where Socrates is playing that ball back. Yeah, exactly. I want to see Xhaka being smart enough to know and Genduzi being smart enough to know we've got to give Socrates an option here yep. because we don't want the option always to be going back to check. Yep. If you know you've got a guy who doesn't have a skill set, mm. then you don't you don't go to him. That's right. That's you right. Know, all the time. And you don't go to him when it's tight. And when it's early in the game and the opposition team is absolutely full of running and still working at 100%. That's a really good point as well because first up in the game, you've got all the energy, you've got the crowd behind you, and as we've alluded to, that was a really good crowd. You know, that was. So I thought it was a bit immature from Socrates. So do to, I. To keep, and after, you've, after he's had a mare... Right after mm. he's, I learned that from you last week. Do you like that? I'm glad you bring in something. new knowledge. Bring in new knowledge. So anyway, after he's had a mare, which means what? Like he, he gave birth to a horse? I don't even know. I don't even know. He's, maybe he's given birth. Maybe to a horse. maybe a mare. I assume that would kill him. Maybe we're being sexist. Does 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 a mare discredit female horses? From now on, he's had a horse. Yeah. So anyway, Czechs had a horse. Right? <laughs> and Socrates knows he's had a horse. Fucking Jared Butler knows he's had a horse, right? And says, not only am I going to do it to you once... Well, do Spartans uh, only pass to right feet? Apparently. This is Sparta. Take the ball. That's right. Um, I am not your king. You will not enjoy this. Anyway, 
I thought it was pretty immature from from Socrates, from Jared Butler, to keep going to him after he'd had a horse. I thought I thought, a, I, thought a, I thought a player of that seniority would be able to sit there and say, "I've just done this to him five minutes ago." I better not do right? it again. I better not do it again. He's got fucking PTSD from the last time I did it. He did. <laughs> I, you know, I might fucking boot this one long just now, just for this next couple of minutes. Yeah. I might just help him out. Yeah. But Socrates was like, "Fuck you." Maybe Socrates is friends with Leno, and he's like, "Watch this, burnt." Watch me fucking burn. Yeah, watch only watch to his me right foot. Do yeah, there's some there's some long-standing Greek Czechoslovakian hatred going on. Yeah, yeah. So closing just that closing that point off. I felt bad for Czech, but um, but nothing can nothing can hide. No, he couldn't hide from no. that thing. And incidentally, you know what? Um, he had quite a decent game with his hands. Didn't have a lot to do and did what he had to do. And if you sort of break it down that way... That's him. He's still a wonderful goalkeeper with his hands. One thing I'd like to bring up is I think that Europe cannot come fast enough for Petter. And I will explain to you why. Okay. Elaborate. Until Leno gets in goal, everything about him is conjecture. And the grass is always greener. Correct. Right? Correct. It's a bit like how, you know, if you're married to a brunette... You fantasize about blondes. Yeah. Right? If your wife's really good looking, you always look at the dirty, dirty scrubber walking down the street. You always want what you don't have when you've got what you've got. This is very, if you get what I mean. This is very true. And Burnt Leno is, you know, six foot blonde with big tits, and the entire Arsenal fan base want to shag him. But they don't know whether he's any good or not. He's just different to what Arsenal's wife is which is like a six-foot brunette Petr Cech, right? Mm. So Europe could not come fast enough for Petr because if Leno starts in Europe and is great with his feet and chucks the fucking ball in the back of his neck, mm. all of the fans back of his shut neck. the fuck up or the neck. in the back of his net, in his net. You said neck. All the fans are going to shut up very, very fast and realise that Petr's actually making saves. And then say, I didn't I didn't fancy that anyway. Yeah, and I will also say this. Bernd Leno could not have done a lot to impress at the London Colony in pre-season. Colony or Colony? Bernd Leno could not have done a lot to impress Emery at the London Colony in pre-season. In pre-season, pre-season, fuck. And it's Colony, by the way. It's not Colony. 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 It's a Colony. What's a Colony? It's just what it's called, trust me. C-O-L-N-E-Y. A colony Bullshit. is C-O-L-O-N-Y. Well, what's a, what's a colony? Just trust me. When it comes to, like, English, I'm good. Well, that's I'm... bullshit. Are you sure? London, London Colony, colony is a village and civil parish in Hertfordshire. So it's a place. Yeah, but can you define colony? Because I have been saying this wrong this in my entire it's life. It's a name. It's a name. It's a, it's a place. Well, that is news to me. Whereas totally. colony is like a settlement abroad somewhere. You could understand why I thought it was London Colony. Like it's a settlement for players. I guarantee you, please, anyone who did not know that, please tweet me at the Raiding Guna. I would, uh, at the Raiding Guna. I would really like to know if I am the only fucking idiot out there a country or area 
under the full partial political control of another country and occupied settlers from that country. Yeah, so all the players who are from other countries, right, are being controlled by Arsenal and are owned by Arsenal. So, it makes so much more sense. So why Look, why would Stan, our why would Stan, our Stan if you're listening, you've got the power to change the name. Our home Stan. our home training ground, which is a place rather than a colony. For, it's a colony, Toby. For ex-Arsenal convicts. We've been imprisoning English talent there for a long time and doing nothing with it. So all the foreign players go to the Arsenal colony and then all the homegrown players go to London colony. Is that correct? Yeah. Something like that, mate. Stan, if you're out there, I know you're a big listener to the Ars Brothers. I know that you were a big fan of the feces throwing monkey in the butthole club. Tweet me, mate, at Gooning Raider. You've got the power. Change the name. Moving on, Toby. Uh, Aaron Ramsey. Aaron Ramsey, Mesut Ozil. Let's get stuck into this. Sure. Let's get stuck into this. So, Mesut started off on the right. Yes. Aaron Ramsey at the number 10. Yes. And from my observations, I thought that Ozil looked like he was lost at sea for the first 50 minutes. Everyone was running into his space. He didn't know what he was meant to be doing. He had Bellerin going beyond him. He, he couldn't get into that right wing space. He had Ramsey pushing up through the middle. He had Lacazette dropping deep. And he got lost in that and didn't really understand what or where he was meant to be for the first 50 minutes. Good point. Discuss. Good point that everyone was dropping into his space. I think that's... I think that's uh... A good He's observation. Learning a new system as much as everyone else, and that's his first yeah. run in that system off the right. Yeah, and Laka does well dropping deep. Abamyang did a bit of dropping deep as well to find the ball. Um, you know, Rambo's in his space, so good point on that, and 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 maybe potentially it absolves him of a little bit of um, of my wrath. But in any case, he was he was a passenger in particularly that first half. I don't think he bought a lot. To us, I was really struggling to try and pick him out and see what he was doing and, and his purpose. Um, and I mean, Ramsey outworked him in the first half. No that doubt, was, that was apparent. Well, that was apparent for the but, whole but, for the whole and game. I think, and I th- and I think that there was a little bit of it's your me, bud. Mm. I think that there is more competition between them for that space than what is being made apparent to us because they're professionals. Yeah, well, I've got a point I'd really like to make. And and this this is, for me, why why I am siding with, with Ramsey at this point in time, regardless of the contract stuff. There was one point in the first half where Cardiff were turning the screw. The crowd was behind them. It was just before their, before their goal. And they had stolen the ball from us somewhere. Now, Ozil, who was playing deeper than Ramsey, was walking back and Rambo sprinted past him to help out his defence. So for me, in a nutshell, as an Arsenal fan, in this particular point in time, where work rate and togetherness um, outweighs individual brilliance, that's why I'm siding with Ramsey at the moment, regardless of contract stuff. Okay, so take the contract stuff out because I've made it apparently that I'm very much sign up or sit down, yep. Aaron. Very much in that camp. Yeah. I also think his management is taking the piss. So, so do but I. But that might be something. That might be something for a, 
another pod. Maybe we can do that in the international break. Yeah. No, a good point. And and pretty standard for footballs these time to have these fucking leech parasites fucking feeding off their players and manipulating young men who aren't the brightest sparks, who aren't the bloody sharpest knife in the drawer. You know? So as much as I would like to agree with you, I don't. And what I saw from Mesut from 60 minutes onwards is why. What it is, is that Mesut's ceiling in that position, Mesut's desire to provide, because Mesut is a giving lover, right? Aaron Ramsey is a taker. Aaron Ramsey is a three-minute bandit. He's in, he's out, and he's gone. Yeah. Right? That's the sort of lover that Aaron is. Mesut wants to provide assists. Yeah. Mesut wants to give. He's into weird shit, but he wants to But give. he's generous. But he's a generous, weird shit yeah. motherfucker. Yeah, he, right? he considers his partner. <laughs> Very deeply. He waits, More than most he waits for her. Yeah, or like he waits for her before he gets out of the gimp mask and climbs into the gimp box because we worked out he's into weird shit. So what I'm trying to say is, amongst talking about now Mesut Ozil and the gimp mask with arseless chaps and incoming male ejaculate, what I'm trying to get at for once is a point. And that point I'm trying to make is, I think when Mesut, I think at 60 minutes, Mesut pulled rank. I think what he did was he went over to Aaron and he went, fuck you, Aaron. This is my game. You've been playing in my space all game. And so far, except for a couple of small chances from Aaron, he had a, a kind of weak shot that was saved and, and a couple of other things. Except for a couple of small chances, right? Mesut, after he pulled rank and pushed Ramsey out onto the right, turned the game on its head for 25 minutes, started pulling the strings, some of his vision, his movement was amazing. So for me, as much as I want to agree with you, that Mesut still doesn't have enough work rate in him and that Aaron Ramsey's work rate is better, Mesut's ceiling is so much higher. Mm. Mesut's ability is so much greater. And one of the things I've really noticed is Aaron Ramsey out of the 10 wants to give and go beyond. Yeah, And that's what he's always trying to do because Rambo plays for Rambo. Rambo plays for goals and Rambo plays for stats. Mesut plays to assist. You saw that... But that was one pass, Max. That was one pass from deep. The way that Mesut sees the game in that situation, he gets on the ball, he pulls into that area, he plays the perfect ball into Lacazette. But the space that gets opened up on the inside for Aubameyang is from Ozil then going next to Aubameyang to get the ball around the corner. So my opinion is, and we can have differing opinions, we can argue. Mm. In my opinion, Ozil's ceiling is so much higher than what Ramsey's ceiling well, is. Well, we never, we never doubted that, that. We never doubted having that. Having said that, I actually thought this was the first game where I went, you know what? I think the two of you could play together. Because I thought that Ramsey was either big enough to realise that he was going to have to do some of Mesut's defensive work, which if you're going to carry a player like Mesut, we've said this a lot of times, then you need a player like Ramsey. Mm. Ramsey of the Ramsey of old, who would work his ass off. Which I think he's done the last two weeks. And if they're going to interchange throughout a game, and Ramsey's going to spend some time on the right, and Ozil's going to spend some time on the right, and they're going to pick their times when they're going to interchange... Those two could be devastating together. They could. Absolutely devastating. And it would be hard to mark as well because you wouldn't be used to to marking a particular type of player with a particular type of movement. So I do agree with you with that. 
I do. I just... I, I honestly feel that Rambo gave everything for the whole game. And Ozil... Are we getting a bit of an insight into your 3 2 ones? Yeah, well, but Ozil, I felt, injected himself into the game because he knew he was about to get swiped. I thought that... Don't you think? Took such yeah, absolutely. It took and, and it took balls. Don't don't get me wrong. Doozy sized balls yep. for Mezzard to pull himself back into that game because the game had passed him by. If he had got hooked, then he was fucked, Toby. That's right. Fucked. The media would have fucked him. And I really felt that he, you know, cometh the cometh the time, cometh the man. Is that it? Yeah, yeah. Or cometh the hour, yeah. cometh the man. Yeah. That's what I was trying to say. Cometh the hour, cometh the man. And Mesut reached down, grabbed his, like, Mesut eyeball-sized balls. and His eyes are bigger than his it. balls, aren't they? We've been through this. But, you know, did we forget down, it in our it. drunken rant last week? Pro- probably, mate. Well, we did lose 45 minutes of that rant due to not turning on microphones after our 18th piss. And it didn't even so, really affect all the waffle that we were saying anyway. So how much shit did no, we have to do? If we had to put out that three hour, that, that was three hours of pod run down to 90 minutes. And there was barely 90 minutes of decent content. So anyway, I thought that Meza, what he did was he realised he was fucked. He'd realised the game was passing him by. And, and credit to him, I think he realised, oh, I'm just not suited out here. I've, I've got to come inside. I said to you pre-season that except for Ramsey's big purple patch where he was amazing. What was it? Was it 2013 or 2014? Mm, was it that long ago now? I don't I actually know. It, was, it could yeah. have been 2015. But one of the, the anyway, the Aaron Ramsey purple patch year where he had six months where he was the world's greatest midfielder. Except for that period of time, for me, Ramsey's one of Ramsey's most effective times was when Wenger was playing him off the right. It suited him. He was playing as one of a front three. He was able to make late runs, uh, you know, uh, back post runs. And we could so squeeze I a lot of attacking players into our team because of that. Absolutely. And I said to you early in the season, and especially if we're going to be playing this inside channel within the width of the box. Oh, he could do front it. Front three. He could do it. I think it suits him even more. And then Mesut plays that free 10. But I quite liked it. Uh, and I just liked I yeah. just thought that I would say that it was the first time that I've seen those two guys on the pitch together this season. The first two times that I've seen those two guys on the pitch together that I specifically remember where I've looked at it and I've said, this could work. And it brings me to my next point. What did you think of Bellerin's performance? He was less noticeable with his negligent defence this week. Exactly. So for me, I actually put it down as Hector's best performance of the year so far. Mm. Mm. Well, that's interesting, but... I think you're probably, I think you're probably pretty, um, pretty spot on. I, I thought Mesut came into the game more not only because he came centrally, but because Bellerin backed off. And actually, in the early parts of the game, Bellerin was getting forward, and I said this, you know, he was, he was in Urzel's right channel. You know, Lacquer was pulling into the right channel, pulling into the deep channel. Ramsey was pulling across, mm. getting close to mm. Mesut. They ran into each other a couple of times. And I put down that I thought that people would say that this was Bellerin's least effective game. But for me, based on what we have been saying for the last couple of weeks about primary roles, yeah. I thought that Bellerin was much better defensively. Yeah. His starting position was deeper. I'd really like to see his um, 
really like to see his heat map because yeah. I think it would be very different to how it was with Mkhitaryan. Yeah. And for me, I thought that it was his most complete game because he did get forward and he got some good balls in and he also stayed back. Mm. Only thing, and I do agree with you for the most part, my only... Um caveat to that was the quality of the opposition and his opposing midfielder who he was marking and their fullback so if you consider the opposition and the channels that were open and in terms of in-game management from Emery perhaps he didn't need to play that role whereas if 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 things were different he might have needed to bring on a right-sided substitute to bring Bellerin into the game if we needed more width so let, let's just consider that. When he brought Danny on at the end, and again, I know like our seven listeners are going to be thinking, man, these guys have a serious boner for Danny. But when he brought Danny on, Danny had a couple of cracking touches. There was a little interchange between him and Lacazette and Aubameyang where Danny mm. dropped a little back heel into Lacazette. Yeah, he looked confident when he came on. Yeah, yeah, you know. And, and you and would be. You like would be him. after his goal. In the last He's game. got a goal and he looks good. Do you know, interestingly enough, there's been quite a lot of content about him put out by the Arsenal FC official. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yep. Just interest. I, I don't know whether it's something, you know, I don't know how um, how cerebral mm. Arsenal FC are. Ooh. If they're that, that, that kind of deep and cerebral. Um, that's big for me, huh? Big words. That is big. That is big. In what big context? Words. How does cerebral... Cerebral in the sense that, you know, they're putting content out that's not kind of in-your-face intentional content. I wonder if the reason why they're putting stuff out about Danny is to start to integrate the idea that he's on for a new contract. Yeah. Maybe wishful thinking because you've got such a boner for the for that guy. Interesting, interesting point nonetheless. Yeah. Um, I have a question for you, Toby. My Shoot. question of the week in fact. So, the centre-backs. I get the distinct impression that because they are not confident in the transition, when the ball transitions from possession to being not in possession, and because they are neither of them are particularly fast or neither of them are back-foot defenders, I get the distinct feeling that Socrates and Mustafi are probably dropping 10 yards deeper than what they should be which is what is opening up the space between them and the two number eights. Which is funny because there's a real dichotomy between the fact that they are front foot defenders and they love to be aggressive and snatch the ball and intercept and slide in. But at the same time, they're dropping off. So like I said, that dichotomy between being a front foot defender and dropping off 10 yards, that's a really interesting um, concept. I actually think you're on to something with that. Did you not get the feeling that, especially when balls were getting punched into the box for their goal, uh, at their first goal against West Ham as well, and I think I even bought that up pushed the first up, pod, close that they're down not the pushing space. up, that they're right on the edge of the penalty box. Yeah. Both of them are regularly standing on the penalty spot, and I wonder if a, a keeper who is reasonably dominant like Czech is unable to come out and get rid in that situation. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, and he says get the fuck out, move move on out and I'll push and up, I'll push and up. I'll act as the sweeper. You know, considering what they were doing, I thought at times our line was incredibly deep. 
Their line, on the other hand, was quite high. As much as they were playing very compact and had a lot of men behind the ball, their line was beyond the edge of their penalty box. And it was almost like, okay, get in behind us. We'll give you space in wide areas because that's where we're going to go and we're going to go in numbers and we're going to cut you down. Mm. That's where we're going to go in numbers and shut you down. Mm. And I don't think that they thought, and I still don't think that Arsenal has a fantastic heading presence at all. So it's very easy for teams to knock us into wide areas, wide corner areas, and not expect us to do a great deal. However, if we get to the byline and cut back, it's a different story because we're cutting back to feet. But I did get the feeling, and I do get the feeling, that they are sitting right on top of Czech, those two. And I'd like to see Czech push them up beyond the edge of his box and say to a team like Cardiff, who aren't blessed with a great deal of pace, if you can get behind us, go for it. Yeah. Yeah. But I do not think the centre-backs are confident enough or are good enough in transition to be able to handle that. Final one, Toby. Um, let's talk about Lieutenant Dan. But you ain't got no legs, Lieutenant Dan. Statistically, the best player on the pitch for Arsenal. Bollocks. Most amount of passes, most amount of touches and assists, and most amount of high-value-added passes yeah, wow. for the game. Wow. And the reaction from the world is like, how can this guy not get dropped? How can this guy not get dropped? And at the end of the game, I said to you, he was good, but he was also bad. Yeah. Well, maybe... All right, let's let's analyse it this way. My my perception was that he he had a far less good game than last week. Less good, but not good, yes? Correct, correct. No, no, less good, but not good overall in this game. That was my perception. So I am very surprised his stats were that good but I'm not I guess I'm not not someone who always believes in the stats because stats can be manipulated and stats can also lie so it depends on the way you interpret them so whilst I'm I'm not dismissing the fact that he had a good game statistically overall in terms of his overall percentages his I wonder if there's a stat for expected fuck-ups instead of like expected goals that is an amazing thing that you've said, Toby, because I put a tweet out today (laughs) where I said... Did you read my tweet? I hope you didn't read my tweet. That's great. That's great. I put a tweet out today. I tagged Scott at Oh That Crab, who does the... He does the Ask Blog by the numbers and does all the statistics for for Arsenal Vision. And he was plucked from Arsenal Vision, wasn't he? Yeah, and I tagged him today in a thing and I said to him... I think the reason why Granite Jacker gets chewed out so much, despite being statistically good, is because when he gives the ball away, he gives it away in areas that convert into high XG chances and goals. Yeah. Is there a stat for that? Question mark. At oh that crab. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Good thinking, buddy. Because that's how I that's how I felt about it. That's how I felt about Jacker in the game. I was like, your problem is, is that when you fuck up, you really fuck up. I'm a bit of a granite jacker in life. I was just about to say that. You know, if I'm going to do something wrong, I'm going to fuck it within an inch of its That's life. right. That's right. When you fuck it, you fuck it hard. Yeah, you know, like last time I shit my pants at work. And I rang you, Toby, and I said to you, you know, without any 
introduction at all. The phone rang. Yep. You answered the phone. Yep. And I said to you, can you bring me some drawers? And what did I say? And without it, you went, yep, I'll be there in five. You knew that I had shit myself. You knew it. And there was no question. And do you know why that is? It's because you know that if I'm going to fuck up, it's going to be bad. And it was bad. And I still have those drawers. And it, and I also know it takes a big deal for you to call me and admit that level of error. So if you need yep. me, I will be there with a pair of pants. And this isn't an isolated in- incident. This is not an isolated incident at all. Anyway, back to my point. High XG chances when he gives the ball away. And the funny thing is, is I've got a wonderful point here. And I just want to know if you saw it as well. Did you see the most Lieutenant Dan thing of all time late in the game? When Lieutenant Dan, Lieutenant Dan, the shit out of himself. Did he climb the mast hole, the mast, and no. and yeah. yell at God during a cyclone? <laughs> <laughs> Lieutenant Dan managed, I think it was in about the 80th minute, to handball the ball, then get yes. the ball into his face, yes. and then handball it again. Yes. Handball, ball in face, handball. And I was screaming at the TV, I was like, Lieutenant Dan! <laughs> I just had to laugh because... As good as Granite Jacker had been, except for a couple of wayward passes, yeah. occasionally he looks like everything but a footballer. Yeah. And when he Lieutenant Dance, he Lieutenant Dance hard. That segues us fairly well into what we would usually be doing, which is our three two ones, which we are going to do tonight. But Excellent. we've decided that what we are going to do is at the end of every month, instead of waiting until the end of the year, at the end of every month, we're going to calculate our three two ones and our one two threes, and come up with a player of the month and a steaming pile of shit of the month. Toby, would you like to hear who our player of the month was? Keeping in mind that it is not just based on positive numbers, it's based on negative numbers. For Shouldn't example, we do our numbers for this, the the fourth no, week we're going to do of it prior, the month? And then we're going to we're going to do it prior, and then we're going to run in because we're not going to have a lot of discussion about it. Okay, well, three weeks isn't a month. Four weeks is a month. Yeah, but it is all the games in the month of August. There have been no other games that weren't in August. Okay, we'll say the month of August then. I fucking did. (laughs) Player of the month implies it's player of the month for fucking August. Okay, all right, fair enough. Fair enough. (sighs) Brotherly love. Mm -hmm. Who do you think the the two or three runners would be for player of the month? Oh, Jesus Christ. Um, Just off the top of your head, if you're thinking about who had played, who hadn't played, just really quickly, who do you think would be in your top two or your top three for player of the month? We've we've just had so many inconsistencies so far. I can tell you from the scoring, Toby, that most people have pluses and minuses. Everyone who has pluses has minuses, except for one player. So who do you think would be your top two? It'd have to be Sideshow Bob. Sideshow Bob Ball here, yeah. Yeah, and... As polarising as it may be to uh, the viewers, listeners... All seven of them. Twittersphere, social media, all that. um, I'm going to say the only player that you and I have agreed on consistently um, who's been a positive influence on our team. I'm I'm going to go for for Petacek. Well, I can tell you, Toby, it is in fact Petacek, Player of the Month for August which is incredibly polarizing to a lot of what is out there in social media, what's out there in the world in general. 
But I mean, you and I have both given him positive points, and in the first three weeks, we've given him no negative points. And you know, and you know why? You know, as Arsenal fans, we'd keepers for a very long time who've been poor at their primary role, which is shot stopping. Our our ability to leave them exposed and to constantly get scored against in not many shooting opportunities. Perhaps we're a bit scarred in our way. I would of rather a goalkeeper who doesn't chuck the ball into the back of his own net. I would rather a shot stopper. Yeah. David De Gea is the best shot stopper in the league. Correct. I would rather have David De Gea only being able to knock a ball out or knock a ball long over a Carrius. Well, no, right, no, no. Who's but, really good. But for, what, what about Edison from Man City? What about this, this keeper that Liverpool have signed? Um, unbelievable. But he fucked up hard. Yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway, moving on, because we're meant to be rattling through this quickly. Yep. So, Petr Cech, Player of the Month for August. For us, well done, Petr. Your gift basket is in the mail. It is an apple core and an empty bottle of Blanc de Blanc. Enjoy, Petr. <laughs> um, so, it's all we can afford. Unless we get sponsored, which I figure we will never get sponsored because of the amount of times we say cunt. Correct. What company would stoop so low? Strippers. What else? Kittens. Uh, strip joints, brothels, uh, time massage places which actually jerk you off. Um, <laughs> bars. I, I could sponsor us, but I don't, actually don't want to put the name of the bar on the pod, and I've made it, <laughs> done that intentionally <laughs> in case someone listened to it because my bar is actually very upmarket. <laughs> Unlike your um, general demeanour. Unlike, yeah, oh, it's polar opposite. My bar is the opposite to my personality. Me professionally is the opposite to what I do in the pod. I'm actually very good at what I do, as opposed to what we do in the pod, which we, in fact, are a bit of a feces-throwing monkey. Um, Anyway, so we're unlikely to ever get sponsored. We both agree that. Yes. Toby, who did you think were the two people, or if you thought it was a couple of people, or if you're pretty sure it's one person... Who was the steaming pile of shit? There's three. For the month There's of There's three. Well, go. Lieutenant Dane. Lieutenant Dane. Mkhitaryan. For me. And the big heaping pile of shit for Max Ware is certainly Hector. No doubt. Mm. No doubt for you. So they, they, they would be my three. Enlighten us, please. I can tell you that it was very close between two of them and the biggest steaming pile of shit for the first three rounds of football was Lieutenant Dan. Not surprising, really. He ain't got no legs. Yeah, and he ain't got no legs for at least two and a half years now. So, Mm. an inconsistent lieutenant. So, I think that's going to be pretty interesting that we're able to look at sort of the best players and the worst players of the month um, across the year. According to us. Anyway, so it's quite interesting because you can basically be a player who's only been rated in, you know, one game this month. I'm pretty sure we only gave check points once this month, but we both gave him three points and he's received no negative points from us. Whereas someone like Genduzi has actually received points five times, but he's also received negative points off us and it's dropped him below that number, which is why this is a really organic process. And it's maybe a bit different to just selecting a player of the year at the end of a year, because this gives us a full year of what and when and how 
and what we were thinking in that moment instead of reflecting on a season. Mm, it'll actually give us some stats, something meaningful to refer back to. So that leads us pretty well into this week's 3-2-1s now that we've covered the player of the month and the steaming pile of shit of the month. Yeah, and now now we move into September. So, Toby, start me off. Three points, Toby. Who'd you have? Three points this week goes to Lacazette for being I think you would tough be insane not to give Lacazette three points. And strong number nine. I, I, think he was, I think he was fantastic. I think he worked his whole off. Cemented himself as a starter for you now? Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. I, I think... Um, I think he's got a place against the bigger teams because of, of his strength and his desire, his physicality, his ability to drop deep and link up the play. He's actually turning into a bit of a complete striker. We never thought that would be the case because we thought he was just a goal poacher. We we thought he was a, a league uh, bully boy who just finished off plays, you know? So Yeah, well, we were so wrong because we thought he was a Jermaine Defoe. And he's not. He's not, no. I mean, and especially this season, no, he's more than his hold-up play, his willingness to come deep, the way he turns around corn, the way he turns And his fucking strength, yeah. Backing into players. Yeah, he's got a barge ass as well. He's got a bit of he's got a bit of Troy Deeney about him yep. for me, mate. You yep. know, he's, he's a bit signed. I'm really into that, Toby. Three points for Lacazette. Two points, Toby. Um, I went for Rambo for his tireless work rate and selflessness for this game. That's interesting to me. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Look, look, Rambo scored high with me when I was doing my players out of 10. Rambo scored high with me. Yep. Um, I was on the verge of giving him points because I enjoyed what he did in the first half and I enjoyed that he let Mesut do what Mesut did in the second half. So I'm with you on that. Yep. I didn't give him two points. I gave Mineral two points. Yep. Yep. I didn't think he had a bad game. For me, Mineral, the reason I can't give him any points is... I felt that there wasn't anyone too overtly to blame for for their first goal, but I did feel that Monreal was he was a little bit he he got he lost his marker a bit, and if there was anyone to pick out, it would have been him. He didn't get tight enough, and he was the one that um, that didn't prevent that that goal from happening. So for me, so I gave Mineral points because of this, right? Five crosses in the first half, all of them were smashing. Correct. Got through on goal and was unlucky not to score. Probably didn't have the skill in that type of one-on-one He finish. couldn't sort his feet if, out. Yeah, that's right. Oh, I don't know if Mineral knew what to do. He's like, oh, what do I do here? Yeah. You know, yeah. any any other player in that situation is looking at a dink, is looking at opening up his body and going near post or smashing it across the he face. He did none of those things, yeah. And Mineral was just like, I don't know what to do. My fucking feet don't work. <laughs> <laughs> um, but... He was so good going forward, and I thought in another game, Mineral would have had, you know, a couple of assists. And he got on another volley from the edge of the box. And he does just have this habit of getting on it. I gave Mineral two because sometimes I look at players when I'm looking at a 3-2-1. Sometimes my two is I look at someone and I say, who was really consistent throughout the entire game? And I thought Mineral was consistent throughout the entire game. Toby, you're one point. Who'd you give it for and why? You're going to hate me for this. I'm going to give a point to your mate, Mustafi. Really? And I actually... I'm trying not to keep the narrative that I don't like Mustafi. I'm, I'm trying to drop that narrative because I yeah. fucking hated him last yeah. year. And can I can I just add that he would have been up for two points for me if he hadn't have 
shown a little bit more weakness in his defensive duties towards the second half, the end of the second half. He, it's not that he did any uh, outlandish or out, you know, outstanding errors. It's just that he got out-muscled a little bit on a couple of occasions. But I actually thought as a creative centre-back, as someone who started off our attacks, who was aggressive, purposeful, purposeful, um, you know, he, he looked like he was up for it this week and he wanted to prove a point. And, and I thought he was very, very good overall, bar a couple of times where he didn't read the situation so well. But for me, he almost got a two and he ended up with a one just because of a couple of minor errors. But I thought he actually had a fucking cracking game and he really looks like he's growing into his role on this on the basis of this performance. For me, he is less mustafi so far this year than he has been before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My one point I gave to Mesut Ozil, yeah. and I explained at the top of the show why I gave him that point. Basically, I thought it took a huge amount of balls to get himself into the game and to do what he did, because had he had been hooked, the, the social media world would have come down on top of him. Yeah, yeah. Uh, special mentions, Toby. Special mentions? Anyone who was almost all about it, but not quite all about it? No, 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 no special men- mentions for my positives this week. Very surprised by that, because I think there is one very big special mention. Oh, it's probably going to be the enabler. Mate, the drug dealer. He came on and he dealt drugs. That's what he did. He did. He sat back. He let everyone else party on. He brought them into his business and his circle and he will sit back and he will reap the profits from here on in. Have you seen his stats, Toby? Have you Tell seen me. Torreira's stats Tell for me. the game? 24 minutes, 26 of 26 passes, three of three tackles, one interception, one of one dribbles, one assist. Yeah. And Absolutely yeah. Perfect. dominant. Yeah. Yeah. And I know this, like, I'm really trying to get away from this whole, like, Carzolari comparisons because he's obviously not Santi. But he, he does play how we wanted Santi to play. He plays deep... with some of the attributes that Santi played with. Yeah, no, good point. And good ability point. to sort... He, he's got that very low centre of gravity, sort of stops and cuts and rolls. You know, I thought that his stats were, were, were smashing. Yeah. So yeah. He, was, he was a shout for me. I just decided I wanted to give it to Ozil because I felt that that was a senior player's performance yeah. to get yourself into the game. Yeah, he grabbed the ball by the horns when he needed to. Were you like me this week and you really struggled for negative points? No, I really did. I, I Well, I, I feel like we did last week as well because I think we had a lot of sixes and sevens, you know. Um, it's always going to be easy for negative points when we get done mm. and it's always harder for negative points when we win. Mm. But a lot of what I do after the game is I go through and I do an out of 10. Yeah. And I try, what I try and do is I try and start everyone off on a five. So five is sort of my, my mid-mark, you know, five out of ten. Well, five out of ten would be pretty uh, pretty average, wouldn't it? No, but I mean, I base it there. That's my starting point, And then I build on top of it. So did you complete your primary roles? Yes. Yeah. Six. You know, then what did you do on top of that? You know, did you have assists? Did you have a lot of tackles? Did you have a lot of passes? And then I build on top of that. And that's sort of how I'm coming up with my my negative numbers at the moment. Then I sort of apply a narrative to it 
as well. It's very uh, scientific, <laughs> what I do. <laughs> it is very hard in games where you don't have anyone scored under a six and you've got a handful of people who are all scored a six. Yeah, no, that's... who's a that's, negative one and who's a negative two. That's a good explanation. So, yeah. in a win where we've generally been relatively good, much better than we were in the win at West Ham, yeah. I thought, it is difficult to do this. So, for me, my first negative one I gave to Socrates. I gave to Jared Butler. And I gave it to Jared because I didn't like how he stitched up check. I thought he was weak in a few challenges. And there were a couple of times when he got caught out in wide areas trying to cover Monreal where he wasn't super decisive and for me he looked cumbersome. I'm sure someone will tweet in his stats and he will have made like five or five clearances. I thought he was good on the clearance. That's that's one thing that I thought. He's an old he's an old school like stick it in Rose Ed. Yeah. You know, sort of a defender. Yeah. But I gave Socrates negative one in a week where I struggled to find players who I didn't think had played well. Yeah. Yeah. Who was your negative one? Look, I gave it to Ozil. I think that's fucking really tough, dude. Yeah, well, for for me, look, his um, dereliction of duties, which was um, which was our main point from last week, was he, he just didn't do enough. He just didn't do enough, buddy. Like he injected himself into the game when he felt like the game was bypassing him. And I'm sorry to bring it up, but this guy is supposed to be our main player. I think he's had a tough off-season. He had a tough World Cup. He's come back. There's a new manager. I don't think the manager necessarily... Yeah. But that's not the him. point. I thought that it was big of him so did I. to get back into the so game. So did I. You would have had him for a negative three then, you're essentially saying, if he hadn't got himself into the game. You'd have thrown him to the fucking wolves. Yep, I would have. But it's not my role here to create a backstory or a narrative or a dialogue as to why I'm trying to say for his performance in the game he was non-existent he was absolutely non-existent he didn't he didn't show the work rate the desire or the creativity and all of a sudden in about the 55th minute something happened whether it was a tactical tactical change from Emery whether it was him pulling rank as you say but he started dropping deeper skipping out of the press and injecting himself into the game and moving forward. But you agree he looked good for 20 minutes. Fuck yeah, I do. World class no, absolutely minutes. I do. And But we want him to look world class. Sorry, you want him to look world class. I do. I, 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 I'm sorry, Max, but I do. You know, we, we are not here to judge and mollycoddle and make people feel better about themselves. We, you know, the, Is this... that driven for you by how much he's getting paid? Is that the primary thing? If Ozil was on 200 grand a year and not 300 and a bit. Do you think you would expect the same? Is that expectation based on his ability, or is that expectation based on his paycheck? Look, I'm, I'm not going to lie and say that there isn't an influence from the pay, but we, we hedged a lot of our bets on this player, and we were so overjoyed when he showed us what he was worth. But we were overjoyed not just because he had signed as a player. We were overjoyed because we knew how important having a world-class player was to attracting new talent. Oh, correct, correct. But he... So some of the investment in Ozil is not just based on his playing ability. I would say maybe 15% of his pay packet is based on his the fact that he has correct. a massive amount correct. of Instagram but... followers. He has a huge shirt-buying potential 
outside of England. Mm. Well, fuck that. That's not players... that's not why we go for players. No, but that's the game. But that's the game, Toby. And not only that, but for players outside of the Premier League who want to come and play for a club, when you get told you can go and play with Mesut, I think there is more pulling power saying you can go play with Mesut than you can go play with Aaron Ramsey. Mm. Yeah, but this isn't only a Mesut Ramsey debate. Okay, let's move on. Okay. So I had negative one for Socrates. You had negative one for Mesut. Yeah. Um, Toby, your negative two, please. Was Xhaka, and it was almost Urzel. It was a very last minute thing that I swapped those around. So that would delve even deeper for. I really struggle with that, with the fact that you said that because you said he wasn't good, but he wasn't bad, which means he's middle of the road. That's right. I actually pussied out because I really wanted to give Urzel a negative two. But because of his influence going forward and the way he injected himself into the game, I pussied out and I made it Xhaka for two negative points. Okay, I really struggled. You you can't find other players really this week. You know, Guendouzi didn't do as amazingly, but he didn't do a lot wrong. I actually thought Xhaka should have been hooked because he was the one more likely to get a second yellow. So, mm. you know, Bellerin wasn't that bad. Okay, can I just give you Granite Jacker's stats? Yeah. 120 touches, 86% passing accuracy, 6 of 7 long balls completed, 7 duels won, 2 fouls won, 2 interceptions, 3 key passes, 1 assist. And also had another one, another corner that Mustafi nearly smashed in. Yeah. Yeah. And this brings me back to my point I made early on. It is when he makes mistakes, they are serious. Yeah. Really interesting. Look, it segues pretty well into my negative two, because I gave it to Gendouzi. Yeah, okay. Yep, yep. So I gave it to Gendouzi for three primary reasons. Can you have three primary reasons, or is three therefore not primary? Mm, I think you could have three primary and three secondary, and then it would work. I gave it to Gendouzi for three reasons. The primary reason I gave it to Gendouzi is because I feel that his press is so erratic. He looks to me at times like a schoolboy footballer that he follows the ball. Mm. Mm. No, I, I think that's a fair. I think that's a fair point. I think that's a fair point. His press is very aggressive, and at times I think that there is a difference between an aggressive press and intelligent yeah, press. Yeah, no, good, good I'm point. either pressing you to get the ball, or I'm pressing you to force you into a pass, into an area where someone else is already pressing. And Genduzi for me, presses like a really excited kid, Yeah. right? He's like a young man who's about to have his first piece of vagina. He's like, get me in, get me into it. I want to be into it. I want to be inside it. I want to be into it. I'm done. Mm. Mm. I would like to see Genduzi be more like a natural lover. He wants to work around it, make his way in like Barry White. That's what I'd like to see from Gendouzi. So that was my first, my primary reason was he was not being a gentle lover. My secondary reason was when he picked up that yellow, it was really funny because I think it was um, James from Gunnerblog, or was it Andrew? It was either Mangan or James was saying today that they really liked his yellow card. When the ball was in transition, he took the guy out of the ball. I had a really different view to that. I thought he was ball watching and walking. The ball was in transition. It had gone beyond him. and He was walking up to the ball. And then very late, he realizes there's a guy running past him and takes him out for the yellow card. I don't mind a yellow card 
when it's professional yellow card. I thought uh, Bellerin took two of them that were really good. Uh, Bellerin took two fouls, sorry, that were really good. Uh, especially the one where he was on the floor and he just punched the ball out with his hand so they couldn't take a, a quick throw or a quick free kick or something like that. I'm into that. But I thought Genduzzi never should have been in that position because in that role in one of those number eights, the ball's transitioning and he needs to get on his bike and go and support. So I fucking hated that about him. I also didn't like just the general way that he played that position for me in this game. Mm. And I thought he looked tired and I was happy when he got pulled. I guess it's six or one and a half a dozen of the other. Maybe we've both gone with a negative two for one of the players in the number eights. Again, because we didn't seem to have any control. Yeah. That's why we've gone for those players, because those two players are meant to be controlling the game. And also, maybe we've both gone with them because of how effective Torreira was when he came on. And it highlights maybe the ineffectiveness of the two of them, like you said last week, when operating as a pair. Yeah. Last week in the pod, you made a really great point where you said we have to stop looking at individual players. If we're going to be playing this formation, it's a pair, it's a partnership, and we need them to work in tandem. Yeah. That's very insightful. I actually completely agree with my own comment, believe it or not. <laughs> I, I agree with myself. Self-fire. Self-fire. Um, I assume that we both had the same negative three, and it really hurt me because yeah, we just it gave check. It hurts. Just gave check player of the month for August, where we really defended him throughout August. Yeah. A couple of games, first game where he was you know, really shaky, and then he went on to make four or five saves. Yeah. Second game, he was a bit better and made some saves as well. We gave him points. Yeah. For me, I assume, yes, you agree, Petacek minus three. Yeah, there was no other option, unfortunately. You know, Impossible it... not to give it to him yeah. in this game because the, the issue was that because Cardiff didn't have that many clear high XG chances requiring saves, in this game, he was unable to redeem himself. Yeah, and he single-handedly created those XGs. <laughs> He did, he did. There was one which was just like, he looked every bit of fucking geriatric. Yeah, and, and, and look, Czech created all those problems for himself. There's 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 no XG almost without him. He can't hide there, Petter. There's no hiding for him. Yeah, and and look, Harry Arda was actually one of their, their best players. I thought he was I thought he was brilliant overall. Except for the fact that he fucked up and he missed an open goal, which Czech put on a platter for him, you know, so... Well, that brings us into our next point, Toby, which is, you know, who from the other team... I guess against Cardiff, it's difficult for us to sit there and say, oh, we really liked him, we really liked what he was about. Mm. Harry Arda was definitely their, their best player Oh, he put himself on about the for that, you know, he, he fucked up the big opportunity, but boy, did, did he put himself about. I think there's only two players who I knew in their team, which was Junior Hoylett and Harry Arda. And I was racking my brains to remember who Junior Hoylett got relegated with. And I think it was... It was QPR, but he was... I thought it was Blackburn. But he was a Blackburn player before that. I, I, I think, anyway. Did he get relegated with two teams? I think so, yeah. Yeah. Anything in Cardiff's formation, Toby, that took you by surprise? I mean, they went out in a 4-4-2. They were pretty stifling. The line was pretty high. Yeah, We've spoken about that. Oh, look, it was pretty old school, but I thought that they were they were really, really, I mean, to use the cliches, really bloody passionate and aggressive. Like, their press was hard. They closed down the space. They put us under pressure. You know, they they closed down our forwards pretty well. They sure as shit made life difficult for our midfielders. Um, and they really harried, as we know, we've just alluded to, they really harried Czech. 
and um, Harry Socrates in particular. So um, they they played well. They were lifted by the crowd. I thought that they were better than what I thought they yep, were going to be. Yeah. My three teams for relegation this year were West Ham, Southampton and Cardiff. Yeah, that's, that's pretty huge. But you're right. A couple of the, the promoted teams are looking good. I called that West Ham thing before the start of the season. And they're what, numb from four? Mm. And they're going to Everton this week. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, this this could be bad. They could conceivably be numb from five. I think I thought that Southampton were fucked because I thought they were fucked last year. Yeah. I thought they were lucky last year. I didn't think they had done enough, but Danny Ings seems to be doing a, a great job for them. Another example of big old-fashioned centre forwards going and fucking shit up against technical small Danny Ings uh, is not a big backs. player. He's a technical player. No, but yeah, but he plays big. He plays like an old-fashioned centre forward. He's in the box. He throws his weight around. Look at how well Glenn Murray's playing. At 34, at Yeah, Glamour has been impressive. Anything else from the week of football, Toby, before we move into the preview for Arsenal's next game? Uh, there was a couple of upsets I felt this week. We just have to take the opportunity to, to laugh at Spurs. <laughs> Do you know the really, really funny thing? I've got a couple of fucking spuds who drink in my bar. Right, and I said to them, I was giving it to them after the transfer window. Whenever they walk in my bar, I'm like, oh yeah, lads. You know, do you fancy a beer? And they said, yeah. And I'd say, well, you're going to have to pay for it. You know, just ask Tottenham to pay for it because they haven't fucking spent anything. <laughs> and these cunts, after they did Man U, both of these two fucking cunts come into the bar and fucking said they were going to win the league. And it gives me such... It gives me such a, a joyous boner. Not a sexual boner, but a joyous boner. I am joyously erect at the idea of them fucking losing. Especially to Watford. Because Watford are such cunts. You know, Troy Deeney's such a cunt. But they're, they're playing they're playing very different, though. You can't dismiss Watford as a Troy Deeney bully team anymore because they've 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 changed. So I watched the game, right? And what actually happened was Tottenham fucking shit in their mouths for 50-odd minutes. Yeah. And then dropped physically. And Watford did not drop. And Tottenham either tried to coast it in or thought they had done enough. Yeah. And Watford went, we're here for 90 minutes. And they just ran over the top of them. And it was almost like Tottenham had dropped down a gear and couldn't get back up. Mm. That is the most we are ever going to talk about Tottenham on this show. I absolutely promise that. Next game, Newcastle Arsenal at St. James Park. Sunday, 12 a.m. if you're living in Australia where the drop bears and the kangaroos are. Um, Got to watch out for those drop bears. Got to watch out for drop bears, mate. They will fuck you up. They will give you chlamydia. People outside of Australia do not understand that koalas are carriers of chlamydia. And I wonder if that means that for chlamydia to spread into the human race, someone has to fuck a koala. It's very possible. Because AIDS came from monkeys. And that says something. (laughs) End of the pods always get very whiny. Sometimes, sometimes you just got to pull you back. Sometimes you just got to be like, Max, stop talking about koala chlamydia. Yeah. Moving on to something that isn't a sexually transmitted disease, Toby, is the Arsenal-Newcastle game. How do you think Newcastle are going to go? How do you think we're going to go against Newcastle? And the final thing I'd like you to round up with, Toby, is a score and a lineup. And this week, listeners, we're going to do the lineups once instead of six times, because this time we're not drunk off our asses and repeating ourselves. That's correct. Newcastle, I think, have been playing really well. They've had a really tough start to the draw, 
and any Rafa Benitez team, you know that's going to be very well organised and play to their strengths according to the opposition that they play. And that's the good thing about Rafa. Yeah, he sets up a team defensively, but he, he knows how to win. All right? I'd have had Rafa at Arsenal. If, if Rafa had been announced as the Arsenal coach... I would have been happy. I wouldn't I'd, necessarily I'd ha- take him now, but I would have been happy at the time. I would have been happy then. I'm happy with Emery now, Me but too. I would have been happy then because I thought that we were a club in transition and he would have got us organised. Me too. Um, not a lot in the way of star power, I guess. Yeah, but they're, they're well supported. They're hard to beat at home. I, I'm tipping a draw. Lascelles a good player. I think he'll break into a... Break into the England team over the coming years. Uh, John Joe Shelby, Mohamed Diame. I I was after Diame for Arsenal for a while. I, I was big into Diame. And aren't we so fucking glad that we are not the ones making the decisions? Yeah. John Joe, he's, he's got a goal in him. Fucking albino alopecia motherfucker. Voldemort. I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure Voldemort's got both. <laughs> Uh, Matt Ritchie's a decent player. Isaac Hayden, ex-Arsenal player. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah. Uh, Yosi Perez, decent player. Solomon Rondon will fuck shit up. We'll, we'll give our centre-backs a, a hard time. He's yeah. a big, strong Venezuelan motherfucker. We'll make him look good. Yeah, well, well yeah, that's 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 what that's we what do. That's what we do. Uh, Line-up, Toby. Uh, Arsenal, what do you expect? Oh, it's it's hard after this one because we've had a bit of um, had a bit of change happening. But do you not think it's very similar to the Cardiff? Look, yeah, game? look, me too. I, I, I actually reckon we would pretty much go with the same lineup, but it has to be Torreira and Jack at this time. Oh, it has to be Torreira. I actually think we found something, though. So you've not gone with what you said, because you gave Granite negative two, I which did. would imply that Genduzi was the better of the two, which would no, imply he just escaped. that you would rather Torreira play with Genduzi. No, he just escaped criticism. That, that, that's all. Almost the fact that he played 55 minutes meant that he had less of a, a sample size to actually criticise from. And, and I don't know whether that's right or wrong, but you know the, thing, the same thing happened with Iwobi last week. The same thing happened with Genduzi this week was they didn't do things particularly wrong compared to someone else, but they didn't have a full 90 minutes to prove themselves in a positive or a negative. So that's what I've judged it on. Okay, so let's go back to front. Toby, goalkeeper. Oh, shit. I'm going with Czech just for solidarity until the Europa League. Czech is going to play until Europa League. I'm confident of that. A couple of weeks away, Leno's going to get his run, and then we'll be able to see... Who's who and it will be done in the okay. right way. So politically speaking, tactically, if you're playing the long game and club dynamics and all that shit. And the fact that he's a leader and the fact that he's got the captain's arm. Correct. Correct. Okay, back four, Toby. Okay, uh, Hector, because he hasn't done anything to, you know, to fuck it up for this week. Just had his best game yep. for me, so. Yep. Uh, Mustafi, Socrates and... Monreal. There's not a lot of argument that way. For me as well. Mineral, um, Jared Butler, Mustafi and Hector. Yep. Back four. Check. Yep. Goalkeeper. Good to go. So yep. we're going to assume we're going to play in this 4-3-2-1. So in the two eights, Toby, you've got Xhaka and Torreira. Yeah, well, remember I wouldn't call it an eight as a holding midfielder. So I'd call it more of a, a six. 
A six and six and an eight. Yep, with working in a two. Yeah, with one slightly ahead of the other. I think that becomes apparent when Torreira plays because Torreira will naturally pull more into the six. Yeah. Whereas I think when you've got Granite and Genduzzi playing, I yeah. think they naturally sort of both want to get a bit more forward. Yeah, no, for no, me, I, I, I agree didn't with that. give Granite. I didn't give Granite points off from his stats and also from Emery's desire to play him and Wenger's desire to play him. There's something there. Yeah. The way he connects play, the way he gets the ball forward. He must do enough in their opinion. And don't forget when he didn't play, we lost our go forward. I forget what game that was. He's one of those players, Toby. He could have 10 great games and one bad game, and everyone's going to call him a cunt. Yeah. Yeah. You know, he is one of those players. That's the bet he's made for himself. Yeah. It's like, you know, once a prostitute, Toby, always a prostitute, right? If you were a prostitute from 18 to 20, you will still be a prostitute when you're 60. Even if you haven't been a prostitute for forty-eight years, I'm not. I'm not going there. Yeah, I. Well, I did. <laughs> I did. Okay, then. Once a dentist, always a dentist. <laughs> Doesn't fucking work as well as prostitution, does it, mate? I know. I just yeah, yeah. Moving on, Toby. Who are you playing out of the number ten? Oh, this this is this is the tough one because it's going to be one of for me. Rambo or Urzel. Does it really matter, though, what their starting point is? No. No, but it depends so whether one. you play Mkhitaryan or not. Well, pick one, because whichever one you pick is going to dictate whether or not you're picking Mkhitaryan. So, Toby, who's playing out of your number 10? I am going... The silence is deafening. Yeah. I'm finding this one really hard, Max. I'm going to go Rambo on my ratings this week because he deserves it. But I have a feeling with a deep-lying defence, Ozil could be important. For me, it doesn't matter. Ramsey or Ozil, okay. doesn't matter. Ramsey starts and Ozil yep. comes off the bench to unpick the lock. That's that's what I'm sticking with. Okay, so therefore your front three, Toby, is going to be... It's going to be Lacazette up top, Aubameyang and Mkhitaryan to link up with Bellowing. So I am basically exactly the same as you, Toby. Only difference is I am having Ramsey out of the 10. I am having Ozil off the right. Yeah. I'm going to have Lacazette through the middle and Aubameyang down the left. So you just keep the status quo. You keep it the same. I, I'm going to go with the status yep. quo. I think that we finally found something. Yep. I think Torreira's earned his way into the team. I think Genduzi needs a break. Xhaka is the more senior player and I think is actually working his way into form. Yes, we gave him the biggest steaming pile of shit for August award. Yeah. But that doesn't mean but Jack is a slow burner. Be player of the month. He's 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 shown us that the last two seasons because he's ended I think he's, he's done ended it in every season, season well. except for his first season. Yeah. So so I'm with you. I look I'm I'm basically keeping the same 11 on the pitch yeah. except for I'm taking Genduzzi out and putting Torreira in. Yeah. Toby score. Arsenal Newcastle. One all. Wow, really? Yeah. I've written down 4-1. To the Arsenal. Wow. I just feel that if we keep that cohesion and that same 11, that there is enough to build on from what we saw in the last game. In fact, there is enough that we are building from the three games. I think that Newcastle are going to sit deep. I think that we're going to score reasonably early. And what I hope is, is that then Newcastle have to come out and play. Yeah. And if they come out and play, I think they'll score a goal. I think that Newcastle are going to sit deep I think that we're going to get an early goal and they're going to have to come out and play. Mm. And when they come out and play, I think it's going to open up for us big time. Yeah. I think Ozil's going to build on that performance. I think that Ozil, Ramsey, Pivot 
if they're both willing to go into a game and say, look, I'm going to have 40 minutes of the game in this role, you're going to have 40 minutes of the game out there. If they can get that balance between the two of us, happy days against teams like this. Would I go and play that against a top four team? Absolutely not. Against a top four team, I'm playing people like Awobi and Welbeck and Lacazette up top because they're going to work their holes off. Yeah. That's more what I'm looking at for those games. Yeah. So, mate, fucking Arsenal by a million. Yeah, I don't know. I think you're underestimating a Benitez team, but I'll go with it because I'd be happy to see it. No, well, you're one-one. Yeah. I'm four-one. Yeah. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go on the record saying we will get the first goal. We will concede somewhere just before half time, and then we will either play Arsenal out the shit out of it. A nil-all draw from from the second half, or we will go down two-one and draw it somewhere at the end of the game. That's it'll be Arsenal either one or two. You just said it was one one, and now you've said it's two one. Yeah, one all or two all. Well, you have to pick one, Toby. We're going one all. Good job, champ. I guess that brings us to the end, Toby. In a sober podcast, I mean, I've had four glasses of wine, but it's nothing near the seventeen percent beer fiasco. Oh, well, of last week. I have to. I have to say, I enjoyed last week immensely whether it turned it into a good podcast or not we will we will have to see i'm glad you enjoyed it because that steaming pile of dog shit took me five hours to edit into something that made some kind of coherent sense but fuck it was funny you know we had we had chairman toby toby Vell and the butthole yep. club the butthole club we had terrera the drug pusher Shania Twain's big old God-loving, cocaine-loving titties. That's right. That's right. We Lieutenant had, Dan. We had Lieutenant Dan. But you ain't got no legs, Lieutenant Dan. But you ain't got no legs, Lieutenant Dan. Look, Toby, there was definitely some gold there. There, there, there was some highlights, and, and I really enjoyed it. There was it. also a lot of shit that ended up on the cutting room floor. So, ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for joining us again on this a Tuesday night in Australia. Uh, we look forward to talking to you next week after we smash Newcastle 4-1. Good night. Enjoy. Give us a like. Give us a follow. You can follow me on Twitter at Raiding Guna or follow Toby at Asbros. Cheers, guys. Good night.